Hey guys, welcome back to Positive Impact. Our intention today is to take off the mask of masculinity and show men what's possible when we lead with an open heart and vulnerability. And my guest today, Derek Dawson, is going to help us do that. Derek, what's up, brother? How are we doing, Andrew? Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, man. You are the perfect person to um, create this intention and to share on this subject. Um, so I really appreciate you being here. Um, I got to start off, dude. Wheel of Fortune, $22,000. Tell me more. Yeah, uh, it was a lifelong dream of mine to be on Wheel of Fortune. I used to watch Wheel of Fortune with my grandmother. Uh, and uh, shout out to Grandma Stoffer. She's no longer with us, but she passed away. And I told my mom one day, I was like, Mom, I'm going to be on Wheel of Fortune. And she goes, yeah, uh-huh, like, sure. And uh, I applied every year for 10 years straight. You can apply once a year. And finally got the call to go up to an audition and, and got to the second audition. And um, finally got on the show, man. It was, it was a dream come true. And then I, I won. So that was even better. But, uh, you know, uh, made, made Grandma proud, hopefully, and definitely had some uh, – some sort of divine intervention i feel like in the final puzzle for anybody that witnessed the show i'm a big barbecue guy and my final puzzle was a pulled pork sandwich um so it was just like man it was meant to be it was awesome i, I get the chills even just talking about it that's amazing pulled pork sandwich was the final puzzle and you are a barbecue guru yeah, I have a, I haven't recently since COVID hit, but I have done some competition barbecue in my life. I've got some guys that, uh, that like to get out there and compete with me and, and grill. And we, we've done KP, KCBS competitions and, and some backyard competitions out in Spring Valley with the Cali Comfort guys. So I love barbecue and seeing that puzzle, I was just like, no way. Like, thank you, Grandma. <laughs> Grandma, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And so how much did you win? Uh, so yeah, the 22,000 was, cash and prizes so i won i don't know i think it was about 14 15,000 cash and then i got a trip to europe uh coming up it's been postponed for two years now so it's coming up this august uh is the plan right now so yeah it's awesome wow man that's pretty cool yeah good stuff all right man so that's a perfect segue thank you for sharing that i think it's awesome that you did that and like that's a dream come true the reason, Derek, you and I are having this conversation is, you know, the, the mask of masculinity. Um, here are two guys, you and I, thriving in recovery, one from a brain injury, one from addiction. So walk us through your, um, the journey with your, the brain injury and, you know, maybe land us with the Love Your Brain Foundation and all the great work that they're doing. Yeah, so um, I, I've had, I, I grew up, started playing hockey around the age of nine. Um, I played some youth hockey and then uh, played a little more seriously in high school. Um, and just past high school, I was skating in some, some men's leagues and things like that. And uh, throughout my hockey, I don't want to call it a career because that would be overstating the heck out of it. Um, the playing side of it anyway. Uh, I, I was the victim of, uh, I think, six on ice concussions. Um, so, and that's like diagnosed. Um, so who knows what else happened out there that I didn't go see a doctor for. Um, I've had a couple of concussions off the ice. Um, so I've had a total of eight concussions in my life um, that, that the doctor said, hey, you, you, you had some, uh, some rattling going on in that skull of yours. And, um, you know, when you're a youngster, I was uh, my last like major 
concussion, I would say was probably when I was, I don't know, 1920 ish. And I was still trying to, you know, play hockey at like a decent level. Um, and, uh, you, you, when you're that age, you don't really think of the repercussions or the long term. And it was kind of in an era where um, uh, the mental health and the concussion repercussions of concussions were sort of showing their face um, through, uh, in a major part, the NFL, obviously. Um, the NHL has recently started started to uh, to really pay, pay close attention to what happens after the sport and after you move on from from doing what you love and 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 having a good time and keeping in shape and and things like that there's there's other things that uh weren't being thought about and, uh locally a guy like junior sale you know played for the chargers for many many years and uh unfortunately took his life from the uh mental health repercussions of of his amazing career in football so um there's a point where i started to um to have some symptoms uh that i i didn't know what they were and i went to a doctor um, with complaints of, uh, I was calling it vertigo at the time. I was calling it just dizziness, sort of, um, uh, you know, just disorientation. And, and the doctors are checking me for all these things. I mean, I've been checked for, like I said, vertigo. Um, I've been checked for multiple sclerosis. I've been, uh, they put me on um, blood tests for diabetes and blood sugar and, you know, all, checking all these things and all these tests I've had. Um, spinal taps and multiple blood tests, obviously, and CAT scans and MRIs and and you name it, I've had it literally um, at this point. And, and nobody nobody had an answer for me. Um, and, and I was still experiencing these symptoms. And I'm going back to doctor after doctor and copay after copay. And like my wallet isn't an endless pit. So you know, at some point you have to find this level of like, okay, like I'm not getting any answers here. How many times do I just keep going back and doing the same thing over and over and over? Um, and I was uh, getting pretty frustrated with it. Um, the, the symptoms stayed, did stay fairly consistent, um, but never really were worsening too much to the level where I, I haven't ever been very, uh, you know, impaired to the point of like not working or not participating in day-to-day -day life activities. I've definitely experienced some high levels of discomfort, but I, I just started to live with it. And I, I kind of resigned to the fact that, hey, this is just, this is it now, like, well, this is how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And um, to, to bring it full circle back to, to love your brain, I, uh, I met um, Sophia da Silva, my, my, my life partner uh, as of now, but I met her, um, I want to say it was in 2018 or maybe early 2019-ish. Um, and I met her at the gym at Renegade and I found out she was a yoga instructor and I had literally never tried yoga in my life. And I decided I, I reached out to her and I said, hey, can I come to one of your classes? Like, is it a, you know, a, a beginner thing? Like, I don't want to just jump into something I don't know what I'm doing. And she said, yeah, absolutely. Try this class out. And um, seeing a little bit of, more about what she did, I found out about the Love Your Brain program and that, uh, you know, the TBI community is a little more than people might realize. It's not just... TBI, Derek, is traumatic brain injury, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So um, traumatic brain injury um, is an all-encompassing term for any trauma to the head so for somebody like me um who hadn't been really introduced to this community back then i kind of saw it as like okay you know traumatic brain injuries like you're in a car accident or you slip and fall or you know something happened to you like one event i never considered these multiple head injuries that i had that were you know very serious in nature but they're not visible so these are invisible um yeah, symptoms and invisible damage that i'm doing to my brain so, um, you know, I was introduced to that community. I got into the Love Your Brain program, which Sophia actually led at the time. And 
uh, I went through, I believe it was a six or eight week program that is focused on it, it, its core base is yoga. There's a lot of breath work, meditation and community building in, in, in there. So you're in a room with um, people that all had traumatic brain injury or their caretakers of a person who um, had a traumatic brain injury, suffered a traumatic brain injury. And you get to connect with them and find out that these things that you're feeling um, aren't just a fluke. Uh, you know, they came as a result of what, what happened to you. And you connect with people that have similar, similar symptoms and similar day-to-day -day interactions that you do. And, and it really helps make you feel a little more normal. Uh, and, and the more we talk and connect about it and have these kind of conversations that we're having right now, and more people hear it and realize that, hey, there might be something more going on than what, uh, you know, like a, a doctor of, of traditional Western medicine might be able to, to, to like pull a blood test and see, um, or, or pull a, you know, spinal tap and see, we can hopefully help some people out and, and, and make progress in this. And it's been really great since then. Wow. You know, what's coming up for me, Derek, as I hear your journey and thank you for sharing all that is, you know, TBI, an invisible injury. You know, a brain injury is invisible. And so the parallels of addiction, a lot of people in this community that listen to this podcast um, are in recovery or sober curious. And that I just thought about it is like, that's also an invisible injury. It's a, it's a disease that's invisible. And so I'm like the parallel and the, the, the cure, the solution for people in recovery are you know, community is a big part of the solution for people in recovery it's, mm -hmm. and the yoga and the breath work and the meditation, I believe are instrumental, but that building community, that fellowship and that brotherhood that we have in, you know, recovery meetings and the parallels of what your, what your therapy and solution was to help you overcome your brain injury, the parallels I never even realized until right now. Yeah, and, and I'm sure you know this being that you're so well-versed in your community, but these two things walk hand in hand a lot of times. Um, you know, a lot of these, these um, victims of traumatic brain injury do turn to alcoholism or some sort of addiction or a vice um, further on down, down their road um, as a means to offset or counteract the symptoms that they're feeling. So, um, you know, ultimately we're dealing with a chemical reaction in our brain and, uh, and obviously alcohol is a, is a uh, agent to alter those chemicals. So it, they, they, the two go hand in hand too much. And too often you see, um, especially in professional sports, these guys coming out of their sport and finding alcohol or drugs or pills or whatever it is as a means of, of uh, you know, treating, which is a, a terrible word to use because it's not a treatment. It's just a, a you know, a means to no end. A numbing agent, mm -hmm. avoiding, repress. And what's coming up, you know, I work with a lot of um, ex-athletes. Um, I work with a lot of um, entrepreneurs who are very successful in their uh, professional life. And when they, when, they, when they retire, whether forced to retire with brain injuries or injuries, or um, if it's an entrepreneur who just retires and has a lot more time on their hands, losing that, their identity because that was who they were was so difficult. Was that, can you speak to that, which is from your own experience? Personally, I wouldn't, I, you know, I don't want to put up any, we were taking this mask off. I don't want to put up a front. I wasn't on the way to being a professional athlete by any means. 
Um, so, so it wasn't really like a life transition um, that affected me in that way. But um, you definitely, to your point, see that in, in a lot of cases. And, and to bring in another uh, aspect of life is, is military members that, that serve time and come out. They have that same transition from a life that they know every single day. Uh, to be the same and regimented and know exactly what's coming. And then they come back out to civilian life and it's like, oh, dang, like this, this is not what I was doing every day. And, and th there you go. Every, every, uh, you know, this leads us back to that, that mental health conversation every single time and in all these avenues. So. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the stigma of mental health. That's why we're having this conversation, Derek, because you and I both know um, that darkness where that leads if we don't raise our hand and ask for help. Um, I see it all the time. And especially in men, that's why, you know, it affects men more often, the suicide, the addiction, the isolation, depression, drug overdose. It happens to junior sale. It, it happens to men more, a lot more. And so that's why we're having this conversation to, to remove this stigma. Mental health affects us all. Let's just be really clear. Mental health affects us all. And so you and I having this conversation is so important because there's so many people out there listening, Derek, that are struggling with something. They don't want to ask for help. They think it's a sign of weakness. And that's why we're having this conversation because, you know, I, I have a coaching client right now. He's a first responder and he's on medical leave because his nervous system is so dysregulated because he's been doing it for so long and military veterans as well. And his nervous system is so dysregulated and it's the physical ailments. And he's a young guy and he's got kids and it just, that's why having this conversation is so important because men yeah, and, now more than ever. All these factors that, that lead up to it, especially in that line of work in the military of, of uh, sleep patterns and, and your overall physical health um that that lead to that path as well which is um a, a reason why i found my, my physical health to be so important to my mental health in in the end too but uh to go back to what you're saying about the stigma um it, i work in in corporate america like I, I mean i you know have an office job and and in normal times man that's i i hate the cliche saying of normal times but uh i do work in an office and i you know i wear a suit at work and um so i'm supposed to be buttoned up put together and to go ask for help or to talk to somebody or, or even go to one of your, your close circle, another man or a woman, whoever it is, it used to be seen as like, or you at least felt like, am I broken? Are they going to like, look at me and think something's wrong? Am I not trustworthy anymore? Um, are they going to give me different projects thinking I can't handle something else that they're, they're trying to give me? So all that stuff was in my head to the point where I wasn't helping anything by keeping it in. I was actually hindering the process because I was putting more pressure on myself. So the more we talk about it, the more we normalize it and bring these things out to light and realize that probably everybody you run into on a day-to-day -day basis is bottling something up inside that's affecting them emotionally, mentally. The more we talk about it, the better. And, and we really need to normalize this. And like you said, take the stigma off it. It's, it's, it's absolutely silly at this point. And it's, it's life and death. It's, it's people are, dying because of it and it's it's getting worse and that's the real epidemic the real pandemic not covid it's men suicide and uh th that's that's 
that's why I'm glad we're talking about this and shining the light of awareness into the darkness, the secrets that shame. When we do that, Derek, that's how we start to use that willingness to shine the light. When we ask for help, that first phone call saying, dude, I'm struggling. Ouch. I hurt. When we take that first step, that's how we shine the light of awareness on that darkness, on that shame, on that thing that blocks us. And that is so important for people listening. So important. There's, there's so many avenues. And like you said, that first step is really the hardest because once you feel it and once you, once you start to express yourself and, and, and open up and be vulnerable, it really, you feel the, you feel the immediate impact. All right. It's not going to change overnight. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I still suffer symptoms every single day. So I'm not saying that this is a, just an instant fix or anything like that. This is a process, right? But the, the, the day that you can open up and say what you really feel with your circle, with your tribe and your, and your troop of people, uh, you'll know. And, and maybe it's not your close friend that you need to reach out to. Maybe it's a complete stranger. And there's, there's resources out there for that too. So um, I can't speak to every single person's experience, but I know that there is somewhere for each person to reach out to and, and someone for each person to re out, reach out to, um, to their degree of comfortability. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, I, I, I shared this last week's episode and two weeks ago as well, you know, five months ago, August 12th, there, I ended a relationship and I was in such pain and I was suffering so bad. It was a Thursday night that I had a thought of suicide. That thought came into my brain and I was tossing and turning I couldn't sleep and like at that moment I was like I'm broken there's something wrong with me I had a lot of shame but what I did is I took action Friday morning after not sleeping all night I reached out to a couple of guys in my fellowship and I said crying rock bottom I'm you know I'm almost seven years in recovery sober and here i am on a thursday night after a, a relationship that ended with a woman i had a suicidal thought and it's so important that i talk about this because you know for people listening i'm in it i know derek's in it maybe to a different extent but we're in this together and i was there on and friday morning i took action and i asked for help and i took a lot of action to get to where I am today, just over the last five months. And so for people listening, you're not broken if you have a pseudo suicidal thought. There's nothing wrong with you. But taking action and asking for help is so important. And that's what I did. And so um, we're all in this together. And, you know, and I, I get to practice the yoga, the breath work, the meditation, the community doubling down to do those things to get me to where I am today. And so it's not, there's not a destination. This is a journey for, for us. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy, which is why we need each other. We, we, we need our tribe. We need the support system around us. It is not an easy thing to do what you did. Um, and, and I mean, great on you for being in a place where you can do that and, and have those people to reach out to, but everybody needs to realize that somewhere in their life, they do have that person to reach out to. Um, and I, Andrew, I'll tell you right now, face to face, that if you ever need me, I'm here for you. Um, and then uh, another way, uh, the reason I want to just call you out is the fact that you're 
opening up to talk about it on a platform like this, you never know who this is going to affect and this movement and your podcast and everything you do. Um, the fact that you're willing to talk about it, I've posted stuff on my social media and told people at work things. And I didn't realize it until one person and I won't call them out, but uh, one person came up to me in person and said, Hey, I saw what you posted on your Instagram the other day. And I really needed to read that. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Like you didn't just scroll down and double tap the heart and, and keep moving. Like, I'm just like, I posted it because I felt it and I posted it. I'm not really like a curated Instagram genius or anything, but to hear that from somebody who said, Hey, I was in a place where I needed to hear what you said. If I changed that, I did it. That's it. That's the goal. I, one person, I changed their life. And when what you're doing right now and telling your story and, and being in the ultimate place of vulnerability is you, you don't know how many lives you're affecting. And it's awesome, man. I appreciate that. I, I received that. Thank you. And, you know, it's, this is me being by example, um, leading with an open heart and vulnerability. That's why I started this podcast and I'm going to continue to do that because that's my truth. And um, to be able to do it with you, like so many men are just, so many men are struggling and they don't know there's a lot of shame and they don't know what to do. And so for people listening, Derek and I reach out the best thing about when we reach out, Derek, when we share it with another man, especially the most important thing is hearing the words. I understand me too. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that there's somebody out there that, that might be feeling the same or, or, or going through some similar situation as you makes it feel, you know, a, a little easier. Uh, I'm going to go back to what I said. This isn't easy, but it's, it's a hard thing. Life's hard. It is what it is. Um, I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm glad to be here. Um, but, but knowing that there's people out there that are going through similar situations um, and yeah, reach out, like put my cell in the show notes. Like I, I am here. If there's anybody that resonates with the story I'm telling, I'm here, reach out to me in DM, shoot me a phone call, a text. I'm, I'm right here. I, I know that that's why you're on. And I know that. <laughs> and you have, you lead with your heart and your vulnerability. And like you are, you are real masculinity. You're, you're the man that like, you have what I want. And that's why you're on the show because like you have this, like this thing's life and death for, for guys. When we, when we, when we, when we hide in the darkness and let shame overcome and turn to drugs and alcohol I know where that leads and I, I lose more and more friends to suicide and, and drug overdose the longer I stay sober and it's a pandemic. And so Derek, what I would love for you to share is what are some things that you do? You, you mentioned physical health, helping your mental health. What are some, mm -hmm. for people listening, the things that you've done to not just like live with TBI or your brain injury, but thrive, like you're thriving, brother. You are thriving. You are living life with zest, with purpose, with passion, you're not just, you're not just surviving. So what are you doing for people listening that they can tap into that you're doing? Yeah. And th thank you for your kind words in, in the beginning of that segue there. Um, it really means a lot. And uh, we're all, we're all doing our best to, to be our best selves. Right. Um, I, I work out, I've got a great partner in life that, that, that keeps, keeps me honest about my physical workouts. So I'm working out, uh, I'm doing hit workouts four to five days a week. And this might, this next part might sound a little crazy to everybody, but I'm still playing hockey. Um, <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I will preface it by saying that I'm not playing like full contact, a physical game like I used to. I'm playing uh, men's league recreational hockey out, you know, Carlsbad. We play here at the rink that, uh, that I'm currently sitting in here on game day with our staff skate. So I'm not banging my head around anymore. And I do wear plenty of protection when it comes to that. And I get that reminder every day when I walk out the door. But anything you can do to go out and sweat, I do yoga at least. I try to get a one to two days a weekend of yoga uh, with Sophie or, or otherwise on her platform and, and go out in the community and support all of our friends who, who do the same and, and, and spread that love. And then I also meditate. I meditate every single day. Um, I, I've learned a meditation practice um, through a place called the Spiritual Arts Institute in, in Encinitas. And uh, uh, Barbara Martin and Dimitri Moritis are the, are the two founders of that institute and have uh, I've read a few of their books now and gone down this path in meditation that has really led me to, um, to bring my, bring myself and get, be more centered. Um, and, and kind of when I find myself in these situations, when I'm, when I might be experiencing some of my symptoms or, or just maybe having a bad day or a bad time, um, I can stop and, and uh, and meditate and, and call in some light and, and bring myself back to center and make sure, uh, make sure everything is turning in the right direction for me and, and then go back to real life. Mm. And I know community is a huge part of your thriving in recovery as well as mine. Um, so for people listening, you know, surround yourself with people, get out, get out, get outside, go do something with people yep. who are doing something similar, like find the people that have what you want, surround yourself with them. Community is such a major, major part of this. And that's why Sophie and I are such big proponents of just getting everybody together. You know, we get in these bubbles of, of, of um, siloed, you know, I go to this studio X or I go to studio Y or I go to gym X, whatever it is. But we all have the ultimate goal in mind of, of keeping ourselves healthy and keeping ourselves fit. So um, get out there and meet new people and, and talk and be open and be vulnerable. Um, to your level of comfort it doesn't mean you have to go and spill your guts on a podcast but <laughs> um you know and and there's it's tough right now too with with all the restrictions that we have with covid it's um you know for people to get out to gyms for the last year and a half was a, a struggle um so you know go find a park uh there's there's outdoor park workouts there's there's um hit workouts in the park there's yoga you can go run and meet running clubs and uh reach reach out if, if anybody wants you know, a lead, we've, we've got people in our community that can, that can take you down that path and find what's right for you. There's not, there's not one answer for everybody. Mm. And, you know, there's no better way to, to wrap this up than, you know, where I was five months ago, I got to heal and work through a lot of things with my relationship with the feminine. And there was a lot of things that I've been holding on to for a long time that I didn't realize I was holding on to. And I finally, with a therapist, was able to, to, to have access to that pain to make a conscious choice to let it go and then forgive the people. And now I'm in a partnership with, uh, with somebody who I never thought I would have access to the love and, you know, walls down, heart wide open, the intimacy that I, I, that I have with my partner, Melissa. I know you have that as well, Derek. And for guys listening, I really want people to pay attention to why it's so important to find a partner who, who has what Sophia has, because I think she is, one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. So for people listening, just give us some insight on your, your partnership and congrats on your new engagement, but talk to us about being a, a real man and why that's so important. Yeah. So 
finding a, a partner for me um, and, and finding a partner like I did in, in Sophia was, was just, I, I can't describe what it's done for me. Um, I have to have somebody that, that is pushing me, questioning me every day. And, and when I say questioning me, I think that's part of, uh, if, we're, if we're bringing up the topic of, of masculinity, like it's okay to be questioned. You're not always going to be right. You got to let your guard down and you got to trust that your partner and that push, that person that's pushing you, that person that's questioning you, the person that's, that's ultimately there is your partner. They have your best interest in mind. It's not an attack. And like you said, that mindset comes from somewhere before, and you might have to dig a little deeper and find it and, and figure out why, why you're seeing that as a personal attack. Why is she always questioning me or why, why does she want me to do this all the time? And this was just, Sophie loves me. Like she has pure love for me, whether or not we are together in a, in a romantic sense or to, together in a sense of friendship, our relationship started as friendship. We were both married when we met and we still had this connection to where she was trying to make me a better person every single day. Um, and you have to be open to that. And it doesn't matter if it's coming from a woman or coming from a man or somebody you don't know, or somebody, you know, very close. Um, you know, you, you've got people out there that are trying to push you, but ultimately, yeah, you you couldn't overstate enough the level of, of, of love and just beautiful energy and beautiful soul that Sophie has to push me every day. And uh, I hope, I hope to God that everybody can find that in their life, man. It's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing for sure. And something I've never felt. And, and for me, Derek, you know, fiercely independent it used to be my, my identity was I'm somebody who's fiercely independent. And I really thought that, and the truth was I was a scared little boy who had unresolved trauma. And I didn't know how to be in a relationship with a woman and, and trust and love and let down the walls and open my heart. And what I've, what I now have, and I know what you have for people listening, it is possible. Um, it is possible when we do the work and we get radically honest with the thing that's getting in the way of the one thing that we want most. And that's part of, you know, taking off the mask of masculinity, I believe is, is being, um, being, finding true intimacy, opening the heart, leading with heart and vulnerability. That's what I believe being a real man is. And that's what I have now. And I'm 42 years old. And I, I, I didn't know it was possible because there was a part of me that th thought I was broken. This is so, a, a slow process, Andrew, is, you know, like we know what the end is. Okay. There, there's, there's no denying what the end is and I'm not in any hurry to get there. So this is a slow process. And in that process, a rising tide raises all boats. Yes. So let's get, let's get better together. Let's work together and raise everybody up because the higher I go, the higher you go and the higher you go, the higher Sophie goes. It, it, it's just going to keep exponentially bettering everybody around us and everybody in our community. Um, and, and like I said, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a slow process and I'm not in any hurry to get to the end. So. Yeah, there's no destination, right? We're all going to the same place, man. Enjoy the journey. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I'm, I'm having a heck of a time. Well, hey, Derek, I appreciate you coming on, man. I acknowledge you for how you show up in our community, how you show up uh, in everything you do. I, you're, you lead with an open heart and vulnerability. And like you have this charisma that people are drawn to you. That's why you're on and talking about these things um, that matter. I know for men right now, it's, it's the most important thing that we can do. And so I really want to acknowledge you for how you show up 
um, and just appreciate you coming on and uh, I'll put your con. I'm not going to put your cell phone. I don't know about that. We'll put your Instagram and your uh, contact, not cell phone, probably um, in the show notes. But like, uh, this is a conversation that needs to be had. And I know men are, are thirsting for it, even though they're not saying it out loud. And this is what's most alive for me right now. And so there's no better person to come on and share it with me and our community of listeners than you. Andrew, I really appreciate the kind words, man. It, it means a ton because I wake up every day and I'm like, how, how am I going to help my community today? That's, that's my goal. Um, and, I, you know, I got my two kids and I'm trying to raise them with that same mindset. And I remember the first time I met you in person uh, was uh, you came into Lulu when I was still working at Lulu last winter on, on my little uh, COVID tour of Lulu. And uh, man, you came in with this energy and I'm like, yo, who is this dude that just came in the store right now? But I have this knack for people to where I know I look at somebody, I'm like, I need to know this person and we're going to do something. Uh, and so, and I'm glad that we, we've come full circle. We brought that to fruition. Uh, and I know that this is just the start and yoga on the ice and this podcast is just the start of it and can't wait to see where it goes from here, man. All right. Thank you, Derek. I received that, man. I received that. And uh, for everybody listening, man, I hope you got something out of this. Derek's journey, my journey, two men thriving in recovery from two different circumstances. But what's possible when we reach out, ask for help, and then take radical responsibility for our healing journey. And that's what, that's what you get when you see Derek. And that's, what, that's why we're here. So you're not alone. You're not alone. Appreciate you, Derek. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, peace. Thank you.